just um, stay seated for a minute. I'll have you stand, but um, you, you guys can keep playing. Kylie said, um, just take this time. God search your heart. No matter how distant he may feel to you right now, it is you that has placed the distance between you. So if you will confess your sin, your rebellion, is always faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. struggle, even in our struggle to focus on him in this moment, I know I feel it, and I'm about to preach the word. I picture my Savior with a nail pressed into his hand, but not yet pierced, because of my struggle. to heaven not to the nail and he has me on his mind and he says father forgive Doug for he knows not what he does that's the heart of our Savior Stand with me as we pray to him together. So, Father, I thank you for your heart of grace displayed in the cross of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the season that we have been in where we celebrated his first coming to do what we could not do. To punch a hole in this world and live a perfect life we could not live that we might taste life in full. Lord, you know we are all worshipers. The only question is what? Worship is not music. We didn't just end worship. Worship is any time we turn our mind's attention and our heart's affection to you and praise you for who you are and what you've done. So as we continue to worship you in your word now, and as we worship you in communion, and as we worship you in fellowship afterwards, and as we worship you on mission for you as we leave this place, Lord, let it be that all we're really doing is hearing you say, come on, follow me. Come on, follow me. 
Now, now, do it again. Come on, follow me. And we would just chase after you. Because you're the only, you're really the only thing worthy of pursuit. But now, Lord, as we do open up your word, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wonderful things from your law. I pray that anything that comes from this mouth that is not of you would be supernaturally um, stopped before it gets to the ear of the hearer. I pray for the ears in this place and online right now, Lord, I pray that you would tune our ears, not to my voice, but to yours. And Lord, I pray that what we are not yet, you would make us. For the fame and the glory of your name, use this time. Please, Lord Jesus, in the power of your spirit, let us not waste this time. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Please have a seat if you would. Open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. That is where we will be. If you remember where we have been the last couple of weeks, um, I've started the messages in Isaiah 66 and verse 2 where he says, and, to, and when God through Isaiah says, and to this one will I look, to the one who is humble and contrite in spirit, that means crippled, to the one who has a crippled spirit and knows they're crippled and who trembles at my word. And what I've talked about without even being talking about the word of God necessarily and the importance of being in the word of God, although that has come up the last few weeks and certainly will again this week and probably next week and probably every week at Cornerstone, and I make no apology for that, is that he, God comes to those who first know that we, they, we need him and then two, will come to his word to find him. Right? That's what, that's, guys... I've, I've mentioned this before, but it's been quite a while. I didn't put it up on the overhead. But, guys, do you remember, like, study after study that, that, we've, that, that has been done by different Christian organizations over the last, even just recently, five, three to five years? What is the number one precursor, the number one barometer to, Christian, to, to Christians living in joy, victory, like, like the ability to stay encouraged. What is, beyond anything else, what is the one thing that correlates to the victorious Christian life? Whatever that would look like, like biblically, and this thing. What is that one thing that every study has shown? In the Word. Not in the Word, not, not going to a church that preaches the Word. You, individually, being in the Word every day. So guys, it isn't just Doug's soapbox or Cornerstone's thing, and, and, and we certainly haven't, I mean, there are lots of churches that preach and teach the Word of God and encourage their people to be in the Word of God. Praise the Lord. But guys, it, it is not about, you're going to read in some of your daily readings this week where, where, where like in Ephesians 4, when, Jesus, when, when Paul talks about the church coming together and the importance of the church, he doesn't say that it's because of a great sermon that your life has changed. He talks about how you living out your life for the glory of the one who gave it to you by the direction of the word. That's how you grow into spiritual maturity. I'm just going to read off a few of those statistics that I've, I've shared before. And, and they're probably up on our Facebook page or somewhere somewhere if you want to find them or I can email them to you. But guys, if you remember, when scripture is only read or, 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 or responded to one time a week, whether that's on church on Sunday or on your own, what they found was there was almost no difference in a Christian's life. 
So uh, someone who's professing faith in Christ and, and, and for all intents and purposes is a saved person, but only ever sees and experiences the word of God one time a week. There's no difference between them and the person who doesn't ever open up their Bible. So being here one day a week does nothing for you, I, I, as far as being in the word goes. I'm sorry to tell you that. Now I'll probably tell you something a little different next week when we talk about the importance of the church, but right, it does just being just getting the word that Doug teaches to you really does almost nothing for you statistically. Being in the word two times a week, so you do it one time here, maybe a Bible study, a D group or something, does almost nothing for you. What great news, right? So you're like, so why am I doing these things? Here's here's the thing. Once someone started going from two times to three times a week. The, 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 the needle started to move on, this, on the surveys that they were giving about how often do you experience victory in your Christian life, how, how, how would you rate your, your, your spiritual joy, those kinds of things on these, on these different um, surveys that were done. It, it, it wasn't until people got to their third time, like at least three, four, and five times a week. It just struck me, here's, here's the difference. If, you're only, if, if a Christian is only in the Word one time a week or maybe two times a week, the chances are the church is doing that for them. Right? You're here, and, and Doug has planned the message, by the, hopefully by the guiding of the Holy Spirit, and, we're, and, and, and maybe you are in a D group, a, a discipleship group. And again, that time has been planned by somebody, and it's the church doing it for you. It's when you get, very few churches plan three, four, five, six, seven times a week of being in God's word. And doing it, and, and then giving you an opportunity to interact in those spaces. Those people that are in the word three, four, five, six, seven times, what's, here's what's different. They took the initiative. They own it. Because, and now, now it's theirs. But guys, here's the thing. What, what is the it I'm talking about? The it is the Bible. Who is the Bible? Jesus. It is, do, you, do you see the difference? I don't think you do because you're not awake yet this morning. But do you see the difference? The difference is... Am I coming to experience Christ through someone else and what they are leading me in? Or am I experiencing Christ on my own? Do I own Christ on my own? And does he own me? That's what we're going to talk about today. right? And, and, and study after study shows that not only will Bible reading, daily reading and responding to the word, improve your joy. It, it improves your marriage. It improves your parenting. It improves your interaction with other people. Like it, it was um, the sh like sharing your faith. Several people prayed about like we need to be a people that are sharing the good news of the gospel. Sharing the people that read the word three or four, three times or more a week are 200% more likely to share their faith in Christ than those that don't. They're also... Um, 200, almost 250% more likely to be in some sort of a discipleship relationship with other people. All the positive, guys, Lifeway, another survey, Lifeway, they're a big Christian publisher, they did a survey a couple of years ago, and they said that the, the only real barometer that of, of, in, of like Christian success was people who were engaged in reading and what we call reading and responding in the Word of God every day. That was, that was it. It, was, it wasn't how many Bible studies they attended. It wasn't what church they went to. It was the people, that, that the number one factor that, that, that correlated Christian, like living as a victorious Christian, and the, and the thing was being in God's word on your own. Last one. 
Willow Creek. I mentioned them last week. Willow Creek was a church that came out of the the, um, Chicago area. It it was the church that sort of launched the seeker-sensitive megachurch model. They did did their own survey of their own churches, because they had churches all over the nation um, a few years ago. And and here's what they just, and I I talked last week about how, by their own admission, they, they said, we have created a church that is a mile wide and an inch deep. And here's what they also found out. The only people that actually had any depth of spiritual maturity are the ones who had developed the discipline of reading their Bible on their own. That was it. It wasn't how great their worship experience was, meaning music for them. It wasn't how big their church was. It wasn't how many small groups they had. It was all about being God's word. Guys, God's word matters so much to him. You know, as we were listening to that um, Anne Graham Lotz um, little video, and, thinking, and, and then Brian was praying, and, and we were talking, you know what I was thinking about? And I don't even remember where it was, Brian, you might remember, it might have been in Vietnam. This POW, who, had, who was a Christian, and, and what he found, I won't, I won't share the whole story we have in the past here, but he found out that the guards who were beating him regularly were using pages of the Bible to wipe themselves in the latrine. And he found that out because one time one of his punishments was to go in there and clean their toilets. And these were not like running water toilets. Guess what this man did? When he found that out because he saw a a page of the Bible with excrement on it, he scraped it off and he kept it. He started intentionally getting himself in trouble so they would punish him and make him go clean the latrine so he could get more pages of God's word. We, how many Bibles do we have in this room? How many Bibles are there in homes of people, even in our church, that almost never get open? This man was willing to get beaten and scrape human excrement off of a single piece of paper because he understood the power of it. Remember the passage I read during prayer in Hebrews? It just came to me when we were praying. He holds, it, he holds the universe together how? He, Jesus, holds the universe together how? By the word of his power. So guess what we're talking about today, guys? We're talking about how God is with us in the word. And here's the question for today. How do we draw? I, I, I get that I'm preaching to the choir. You guys have heard me say every word I've just said. You've heard me say probably a hundred times here. And I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to keep saying it. But, you're probably sitting here today, sometimes like me going, okay, but Doug, what do I do about it? How do I draw strength from the word of God? And we're going to look at this passage in Joshua chapter 1 that I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to teach through. And we're going to see that, that here's how you draw strength from the word of God. It's by believing that God's word is a proclamation grounded in his promises, anchored to his presence. And that's what this passage is going to show us. And so with that, let's open up to, our, to, to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1 and take a look at our first point, that, it, that God's word is a proclamation. Now Joshua, for those of you that don't know, Joshua was, was the successor of Moses. He was Moses' right-hand man. So we've just passed the Pentateuch, the first five books of the, bar, the Bible, um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses dies at the end of Deuteronomy. Joshua now takes the mantle to lead God's people. And guys, we've sort of turned the page in God's story as well. 
Because what we've done is we've just passed the time of the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, the ex- and, then, and then Moses, the Exodus. The law has been given. God has given the people the Torah. And they are now to know it and live it. Right? And Joshua is told, and this is how you're going to lead by using it. So let's pick it up in, in verse 1. It says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Mo- Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and this people, to go to a land which I am going to give you to the sons of Israel. Guys, I, I, we read, like we just, we turn a page to start the book of Joshua. I just told you there's a little bit of history there. But guys, understand this. This has been a long wait for God's people. This promise where, where God is finally saying it's time to go. It has been a long wait for the people of God. They were in captivity in Israel or in, in Egypt for 400 years. They've also just spent 40 more wandering around in the wilderness. Oh, by the way, it's longer than that. Because when did God first promise this land that he is, like, we're, we're, we're not going to get there because we're not going through the book of Joshua. But when did he promise the land that they're, that they're finally now actually going to step over the Jordan and go take? It wasn't 400 years ago. It wasn't 40 years ago. It wasn't 400 years ago. It was over 800 years ago. In Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. 800 years later, God does it. Now, now, like, we can't wait a day or two for a promise. Right? We're praying, many of you know, like we're praying for a more permanent location. We've put in an offer to a commercial place up on 78th in Deer Valley. And we got it to the guy on Wednesday because of the holiday. We haven't heard anything back yet. I'm, asking, I'm telling you right now, not just to tell you the story, but to ask you to be praying for favor from the landowner. Because it is hard to find people that own buildings that are favorable to churches. But we're hoping to hear an answer back by tomorrow. I don't know his name. He's an LLC dude. Maybe RJ, I don't know. You remember his name? Just pray for the dude in Santa Barbara, because he's the one that owns the building. And pray for, our, for, pray for his realtor, his name is John. One, pray that God would show them favor, and two, that God would show us favor in them. But guys, that was like, I mean, we, we started looking at this piece of property the 1st of December. But we put the offer in, like, I, I finally got it all together and sent to the guy on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. I'm expecting an answer by Wednesday afternoon. They've waited 800 years. But here's the thing, guys. There, here, he said, why? Because they weren't ready to receive the promise. 800 years ago, they weren't ready. 400 years ago, they weren't ready. 40 years ago, they weren't ready to receive the promise. That's why God waited. Here's the question for you today. Are you ready to receive? Are you ready to receive the promises of God? Because for us to receive the promises of God, it's like a kid on Christmas morning. For a kid to actually receive the present, they have to believe that the present is there and that the present is theirs. Guys, if for you to receive the promises of God, you have to believe they're there. That these are real, like, ironclad promises. And you have to believe they're yours. They're for you. They're for me. They're for us. Otherwise, why in the world would you care about what this word says? So let's keep going. Pick it up in verse 3. He says, every place which 
the sole of your foot treads, I have given you just as I spoke to Moses. But guys, understand this. There, the fact that, he says, I've given you every, the whole nation, the, what's going to become the nation of Israel, what we think of as modern day Israel. I, God's saying, I've given it to you. It did not absolve them from having to go take it. Right, like there's this weird dichotomy between, yes, we need to give space for God to work. But we also need to give space for God to work while we work with him. It's called being in step with the Holy Spirit. Guys, let go, I I just make this really clear. Let go, let God is not a Bible verse. It's not, and yet if you ask people, surveys, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? There are many who will say, let go, let God. That isn't even in the Bible. In fact, the, that concept, trusting in the Lord is in the Bible. But this idea of, I'm just going to sit back and wait for God to do the work, is not biblical. Right? It's, this part, it's this mysterious partnership between him giving them the land and them having to go take it. And the rest of the book of Joshua, again, that we're not going to get into today, is all about how hard it was for them to take that land. It was not an easy take even though he had already, in a sense, given it to them. So, the first thing is, we need to, we, how do we receive, or how, how do we, um, what was the question today? Sorry, how do, we, how do we, and my brain is just so foggy today, sorry about that. How, how do we draw strength from the word of God? First, we have to believe it's a, pro, a proclamation. Right? We, have to, we have to believe that, that God is for us. And so I passed out, I think, six or seven pieces of paper to some of the people among us. If you got one of those pieces of paper, come on up here, and we're going to um, hear some of those promises read out loud, and they're going to be up on the screen as well, just so that we can wash, renew our mind with the truth of who God is and who we are to him. So come up, all, all six or seven of you. Are you all going to chicken out? Come on. All of you at once, come on up. And so I'm going to move out of the way here for a second. Here, um, who was who has Psalm twenty-seven one? All right, so you're gonna go first. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is defense of my life. Is the defense of my life? Whom shall I dread? Psalm twenty-seven. Verses one. Good job. Now, who has um, Psalm twenty-seven fourteen? Go ahead. You're next. Just give her the mic. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take heart. Yes. Wait for the Lord. Awesome. Who has Psalm one eighteen six? The Lord is for me. I will. Not fear what can men do to me. Amen. Psalms oh, 1, 18, verse 6. Amen, sister. Who has Deuteronomy 31, 6? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Amen. Who has Deuteronomy 22 through 4? When you are approaching the battle, the priest shall come near and speak to the people. He shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, you are approaching the battle against your enemies today. Do not be faint-hearted. Do not be afraid or panic or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Amen. 
who has, sorry, I'm 1 Samuel 17. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Amen. Last one. Who has Romans 8.31? What shall we say against, say to these, to these things? If God is with us, who, can, who is against us? If God is with us, who is against us? Awesome. Well done. Give them a hand, people. You guys, thank you guys for being willing to do that. It's what you get for showing up to church early. So... I uh, know they're like, Dad, we're going to be late from now on, sorry. Um, okay, so what is the proclamation? Like the proclamation from beginning to end of the Bible is that you have a God in heaven who is for you. That's the proclamation. You have a God in heaven who is for you. Okay, so the, from, from Genesis chapter 3 when he seeks them out after their rebellion all the way through to Revelation when he comes again for, for glory, the proclamation is... He, um, he is telling us over and over, I am for you. Because we have to, we have to understand that, that those promises that they just read and all of the promises in Scripture can only be used by the Holy Spirit to encourage you to the level by which you have them hidden in your heart. Does that make sense? Like, like there are so many wonderful encouragements in God's word but they can only be applied to you by the Holy Spirit if you have them hidden in your heart your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you right we have to get the word into us and that's what he's going to talk about here in the next in in the next section that we're going to be in so how do we draw strength from the word of God first it's a it's we believe that it's a proclamation that is grounded in his promises that is grounded in his promises. In verses 3 and 4 we see that, that, that God is describing the place he's going to be. In, in, in verse like that, that, that they're going to get. All of this land. He's kind of going from the, from the great sea to the Euphrates, etc. And then in verse 5 he says, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. He is saying, I am the God who no, never, never, never will leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. But guys, but guys, understand this. The, look, look, now, now look, this is God speaking to Joshua as he's about to lead a couple million people into enemy territory. So here, first he's taken over being the leader of these people without Moses. And God says to him, verse 6, be strong and courageous for you, sh for, for you, shall, gi you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Verse 8, the, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Guys, we all love the courage, like, be strong and courageous. That's, that's in verses 6, 7, it's, we'll get there in a minute, in verse 9, and it's even in verse 18. When God repeats himself 
especially four times in a fairly short section, that means we ought to pay attention. Right? God is being very clear about be strong and courageous. And this isn't just an Old Testament Joshua thing. Paul tells Timothy right before he dies in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, God has not given you, Timothy, a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline. Because we cannot, regardless of what, what 2021 has in store for us, and I have no, no idea what that is. We cannot live in fear. We have to believe the promise of being strong and courageous. That we have a spirit of power and love. Right? And discipline. But guys, where we, we love those promises. We, I mean, I'm like, yeah, all right, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. But I'm going to put that on a bumper sticker. What, what is God connecting the strength and the courage to? It's verse 8. Verse 8 is what God is talking about. What he's saying is, guys, meditating on the word of God. And meditation is not a bad word just because it was hijacked by the Eastern mystics. Meditation, it's right here in the Bible. right? Meditation is something that pra Jesus practiced. But the question is, what are you meditating on? Your inner self and your inner strength or the word of God? What, G what God is telling us is, he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. If you do that, if you will chew on my word, not just read it and set it aside, actually take it with you, is what he's saying. Then, look at the promise, then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have success. Guys, we can't just grab a hold of the be strong and courageous, we have all the victory in Christ, without going, but what is the provision by which God has given us to live in that victory? He tells us in verse 8 what it is. He's saying, you can be strong and courageous, have, i.e., have the success, be prosperous, have the success, only if you will meditate on my word day and night. Why is that? Because God's word is massively important to God. Guys, so much of this book is self-exaltation of this book. Is God, the Word in flesh, Jesus Christ, exalting himself as the Word of God? Psalm, one, or Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Day by day they, they pour forth speech. He's talking about the heavens. You know what he says right in the middle of that psalm? I think it's verse seven, verse 7 or 8 of that psalm, 19. He says, and the word of God is pure. Delighting the soul. He transitions from, man, look at all of creation and how it speaks to your heart. And then he immediately goes, and so does God's word. Guys, Psalm 119, the biggest, the biggest chapter in the Bible. We're going to spend three days in it in our D groups this year. In our D group readings. Do you know what Psalm 119 is about from beginning to end? It is the word of God described 22 different ways that follow the Hebrew alphabet. All 176 verses are about the word of God. Do you not think that's slightly important to God? 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God. The passage Brian led us in in our calling passage. Hebrews 4.12. That the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Frankly, that last part of that verse is why we don't come to the word. 
Because we don't want his word to shine a light and discern the thoughts and the intentions of this heart. So the easy thing is to just not even go to it. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, or stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he will meditate day and night. But guys, it, this is not just about meditating on God's word. It is not a Bible study. Not that that's bad. But it is not about learning more about the word. It is about pressing into the one who is the word. Right? Remember last week I talked about how do we pursue Jesus as a means to the end or as the end? Guys, we have to see the word the same way. We don't press into the word to learn more about the word of God. We press into the word because it is where God has revealed himself to us. We press into the word to learn more about Christ. How can we possibly walk with Christ in 2021 if we are not with him in the word if this is where he is? One of your table talk questions, it's not on your connecting points, but one of the things I'm just going to kind of give you to chew on a little bit for a minute is, is this thought. And I'm just going to be quiet. We won't actually take time to talk about it at our tables. But here's this idea, the idea. When you live according to the word, it will seem countercultural. Do you live your life with a biblical worldview? In other words, do you ask the question, what does God's word say about that before you make a decision? I, I would love for you to, to just... Stop it, like, so, so all, I mean, new year, new decisions to be made. We talked about, like, setting goals for the year. You, the the, the, the um, handouts that we've made available are on the back table. Take one with you just because it's the 3rd of January. It is not too late to start, people, right? Like, don't let the enemy convince you, well, I missed the first. I better wait till next year to get started. No, right? Like, seriously, I know people that do that kind of thing. Take the packet, fill it out, set some goals, but ask yourself the question, whether, whether it's a, a change of occupation, whether it's a parenting situation, what does God's word say about that? Is that the filter that you're filtering your life through? Not what do I feel about it, what is the world telling me, what, but what does this tell me? We have got to be a people that that's what we're about. Okay, so our last thing. How, how do we draw strength from the word of God? One, we have to believe that it's a proclamation that is grounded in his promises and anchored in his presence. So let's look at our last verse that we're going to look at today in Joshua 1.9. He says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. That word dismayed there could mean discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Guys, do you, do you understand how this connects even to what the season we were just in in Christmas. Do you remember what we talked about? About how Matthew started his gospel? And the virgin shall bear a son and uh, shall, shall, shall bear a son and she shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And at the end of his gospel he says, go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Do you see that, that God's, God has always been a withness God? That was not like all of a sudden at Christmas we start celebrating withness. Right here he says, and lo, I am with you wherever you go. 
But we have to grab a hold of the promise of that withness. It's, turn, in my Bible, it's just a, few, a couple of pages. Turn back to Deuteronomy 31. So we're going back before Moses died. Look at what Moses said. Mo, in Deuteronomy 31, starting in verse 6. This is sort of Moses' charge to the people. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. You shall, you shall give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. When we were hiking on New Year's Eve, on New Year's Day, I don't remember which, who I was, which brother I was talking to, but we were talking about how, guys, like, regardless of what's going on in our nation or in the world or what, what, what's in store for us before the Lord comes back, we need not fear. Why? Because he is the one walking with us. And oh, by the way, Jesus told us all this was going to happen. And in fact, he even said, when, not if, when they arrest you, and you stand before those, the judges, what does Jesus say? Don't worry. Don't be in fear about what you're about to say. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit in that very hour will give you the words to say. Guys, we, like, part of why the church in America has become so lukewarm is because we haven't needed him for so long. I mean, honestly. Right? And, 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 I would say like even, even in our own church and in our own families and even in my own family, the seasons where we have pressed into Christ and turned into one another and gone, man, we have got to encourage one another in the strength of the Lord, have not been the times when things were going well. Why? Because that's just not who we are as human beings. When things go well, we forget God. And in fact, in Deuteronomy, he tells us that. He says, when things go well for you in the land, you are going to forget me. And they do, and that's what Judges is about. But we're not going to, we'll read about it in our D group, but we're not going to get there today. But guys, it is in, it's when we're all feeling the anxiousness of what might be coming in the new presidential whatever. Or that's, guys, God uses those things. In fact, God often orchestrates those things so that his people will turn to him and not to whatever it is they've been turning to. So I loved how I think it's something like Brian was like, I'm excited for what's to come because, because whatever it is, it's of God. And I know that he is a God, if we go back to our Joshua passage, he is a God who is with us. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Guys, Isaiah 41.10, if you need a verse for next year, you don't have one yet, take that one from me. Take it. Isaiah 41.10. And walk knowing that he is at your right hand, even as he is at the Father's right hand. What do you have to fear? There is a table talk question I want to give you a couple of minutes to talk about because I, I, I know you've heard all of this before. 
I know you've heard about why the word is powerful, why it matters, why it's important, what happens when we're in it, what happens when we're not in it. Then life hits you in the face like a two by four. Right? Your job gets stressful. Your kids get whatever. Your, guys, I get it. That's why it's so important for us to walk in the word together. That's why the D group thing has become what we're doing here at Cornerstone now. It'll start up in a couple weeks. This, this semester, we're going to walk through the Old Testament story together. The groups are going to form however the Holy Spirit forms them. I've had people email me back and go, hey, when is the list of groups coming out? My answer is, hey, when are you leading one? And I'll put it on the list. Right? Everybody here, if you're, if you're a spirit-filled believer and you own a Bible, you are qualified. Now, I'd be happy to help you, but that's the truth. Don't wait for the church to do it for you. You're the church. Do it. But guys, the reason we're doing these D groups this way is because it, we need the accountability. Here's where we're all going to be on the same day, on the same page, walking through the word together. Hey, what did you get out of today's reading? Hey, what did you get out of today's reading? Hey, what did you read this week? What did you journal on? Because, because otherwise life just hits you in the face. And it just happens and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I don't know. I just got to get my Bible study page filled out before our meeting on Tuesday night. That is doing nothing for you. Pressing into him by pressing into the word, reading and responding to the word of God on a daily basis is it. How I started the message. It is the answer. It's all we got. So we got to get better at helping each other because the world wants to keep us from that. In fact, our fellow Christians want to keep us from that because it makes them feel worse. Honestly. Guys, when I was at Scottsdale Christian as an administrator, I felt so bad for the kids that were really hot-hearted for Christ because they were made fun of by the lukewarm ones. And that isn't just an adolescent thing. We do that all the time to each other in the body of Christ. I mean, you just chill a little bit. You're too into this word thing. Why are you always talking about Jesus? Why not? What else am I to talk about? Hey, what else really matters? So, we have to help each other. So that's what the question is about. What obstacles seem to get in the way most of you getting into God's word? What are the toughest, sorry, what, what are the toughest things to overcome and why? How might you become more successful at this? So I just want you to take a couple of minutes at your tables and talk about why, why, just personally, you got to get a little transparent. Why is it hard for you to be in God's word every day? What are those obstacles that get in your way? And then, and then how, how do you see yourself overcoming them by his help? Go.
Okay, is anybody willing to um, risk, maybe risk something that they shared at their table about, like, what, what are some of the obstacles that get in the way? Sleep. Sleep. Love my pillow. So here, so let me, so real quick. So, because I, when I first started getting into the Word every day, which was 20-something years ago, because a man named Skip asked, just because of what, that's what he would do, is he'd get up really early and start, and start reading the Word. This is way before I was ever a in ministry full-time. I was a teacher. He was working for a construction company, but I was in an early morning Bible study. I'm like, you're just a freak getting up at five in the morning to read God's word. But I'm like, man, I want to be him. Like, I want to be like him. This guy knows the word of God, and this was 20-something years ago before Kylie was born. The year, the year Carrie and I got married, so 24 years ago. And I remember thinking, okay, but I just, to, what, what, if you want to be like somebody, if you want to be discipled by somebody, you do what they do. So I started getting up. I started setting my alarm back about 30 minutes early. And then that 30 minutes turned into like 45. And then that 45 turned into an hour. And, and this was when I was still working in the school system. There was a time when I was waking up an hour and a half to two hours earlier on purpose. So I could, because the time in the word was just so like nourishing to my soul. I remember thinking to myself out loud like, like Lord, when is this going to stop? Because I do have to sleep. Like I have to, be, I, sometimes I want to get into bed until 11 at night. And I'm getting up at like 4.30 in the morning going, what in the world's going on, Lord? And, and. So yeah, absolutely, but you ha what you have to do is just set, like wh here's what I do now, and I've been doing this now for 20-something years. Whenever I have to leave the house by, I'm always late for those of you that know, but whenever I'm supposed to have left the house by, I set my alarm back two hours from there. And it only takes me about 15 or 20 minutes to actually get ready for the day. Two hours back from whatever that time is. So today I got up at 5. Right, so it's, and actually today is a little different because it's a Sunday, but typically it's, I said, so you set your alarm back. You just, you just have to do it. So it's, it doesn't start the morning of, it starts the night before. Before you go to bed, know what you're going to read tomorrow, like, the, which we make it really easy on you. We give you daily readings. They're in your bulletin. The D group handout is going to start in, in January. It has the whole, it has 20 weeks worth of readings laid out for you. Know what you're going to read. Know where you're going to do it. And then set your alarm back. 15 minutes. That's all. Start with 15 minutes. Five minutes to read the reading. Five minutes to meditate on the reading. Five minutes to respond to the reading. 15 minutes. And I've said this before. I'll, I'll keep saying it. Some of you go, 15 minutes. How can you only give God 15 minutes out of your day? Some of you are giving him nothing. 15 minutes is, a, is light years ahead of zero. And yet I have people who will tell me, Doug, I just think you're asking way too little. And when I say, so tell me about your time in the Word, they're like, yeah, I, I really have, I struggle with that. I'm like, okay, so, so, and their, their thinking is, until I can give God what he deserves, I will do nothing. That is the enemy, right? God deserves our first fruits. So just do, just set your alarm, get up, 15 minutes, piece of cake. What else? What, what are other obstacles? What? TV. I heard, all I heard was something in TV. Right. T t I, like, guys, honestly, I, I, what is, um, Lori Johnson sent us a, a, a great message by Charles Stanley, I think. It was about seven habits of highly, like, of Christians, effective Christians. One of the, he said, one of the things he started, I think he started with this. What is the first thing, or what is the last thing people do when they go to sleep? Turn off the television. He's like, and he, his point was, no, you should, be, you should be washing your mind with the word. But most people, the last thing they do when they go to sleep is they turn off the television. And the first thing they do in the morning is they turn it on. I, 
I will tell you, like, our, our TV never comes on in the mornings. Like, I can't remember the last time our TV was on during the day. Certainly not until, like, late afternoon when we're just watching a movie because we're all pooped out or something. But, like, it just does, like that. And yet, I, I, I have family members that the first thing they do when they get up in the morning is turn on Fox News. Oh. <laughs> not soul nourishing. I'm telling you. And that's not a political statement. That's just the truth. What else? Any other obstacles? What's that? Work and chores. So just like, oh, we got to get busy with my, we got to get going. Right? And, and, I, and I get like, you're looking around like, oh, man, that needs to get fixed and that needs to get done. Absolutely. So you just, like, I'll even, I, I'll even at times have a little card next to my Bible time or used to where I would just, if something came to my mind, like, I got to get done later in the day, I would just write it down, give it, to, sorry, Lord, for that interruption, get back to what I was doing. Right? Good. What would you say, Jack? Interpretation, not not no, great one. Not like I'm I'm not sure I'm getting much out of it. One, if you would like to sit down, we'd be happy to pull a couple of tables together over the next few weeks after the service and just say, hey, let's sit down and just practice. Because part of it is that you, you sit and you go, man, I, I don't really I'm not really sure how to get this whole reading and responding thing. And we've done that at different seasons here. So if you would like to do that, you can email me, email Jeff. Guys, there's there's several of us who'd be happy to sit down with you and just I, and just show you how to read and respond to the word. The other thing is get some great resources. One of the best resources for, for reading, like learning to get stuff out of the word, is this, it's been around forever. You can get it on Amazon. I think they've divided it into two books now. It's called With the Word by Warren Wearsby. With the Word, write it down. If you, if, if you, with the Word by Warren Wearsby. Warren Wearsby, he may have gone to be with the Lord recently, but if not, he's like 98. I mean, he's really old. Great heart for the Lord. Every chapter of the Bible has a short, that's what I love about it, every chapter, short thing about what it's about. With some, so, I mean, it's not like, because some of these commentaries, you can spend, or your study, or your super study Bible, you will spend like 30 minutes reading the notes about a five minute read in God's word. The commentary is not inspired, right? This is inspired. And what I love, so what I love about with the word, it's what was part of what got me started that that twenty something years ago. Is I would just I would open it up, I would read it. You can even get on you can get it on your Bible app. They have electronic versions. I would read it, and then I would read whatever chapter I was supposed to read that day. And it it helped me understand the Word of God in just really rich personal ways. So good. I know we need to move on because we're almost done, and I'm going to have the music team come up and um, music team. I'm going to have my family come up and. <laughs> Way to go, music team, and um, and they're going to get started. And we're going to have our time of response. Our time of response. We are going to have communion. I'll come back up and we'll lead. Uh, we'll go through communion. So they'll be taking the trays around here in a minute. If you have if you have junk you want to give to the Lord, still you can put it on the cross. Um, you guys, we did that. That was a powerful time last week. But I just want to remind you of so so just to bring it all back together. How do we draw strength from God's word? We have to believe it's His proclamation that is grounded in His promises that are anchored. In his presence. We don't come to the word to study God. We come to the word to meet with him. He's here. You will never be closer to God on this planet than when you pray that the Holy Spirit would take this word and press it into your heart. That is as, this, is as, this is as close as we're going to get to the Lord right now. It just is. So we have to, but we have to see it that way. Right? We have to see it as, as not just a, a study but as a person, 
that we get to interact with. Guys, do, do you remember, maybe it was last year, the year before I talked, to, I, had the, I had the visual picture of how what we need to do to start the new year is we need to set our sails to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. Right, because the name for the, the word for Holy Spirit, pneuma, is the same word for wind in the Bible. And so we were talking about, how, but, but you, start, you start looking, you go, like, sail, like I, the example I gave was sailboat races. Like the, like the sail, so sailboat races, how can you have a sailboat race when they're all being propelled by the same wind? Right, if the wind is going 20 miles an hour, why wouldn't all the sailboats be going 20 miles an hour in the race? And they all tie. The answer is because some of the people are better at designing the boat and better at setting the sails. And the ones that are better at those things catch the wind better and go faster. Being in God's word every day, what you're doing is you're getting his direction on how to build your boat and how to set your sails. So that you can catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. So I want to pray to that end as we go into our time of response that we would just be people that would be better at boat design and sail setting because we're following his word. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for that truth. I thank you for the, um, for the promises that you proclaim in your word. Lord, I pray that our lives would be grounded on those. That from the beginning you proclaimed, I am for you. Over and over, Old Testament, New Testament, almost on every page of your word, there, there's just a picture of your withness because you are for us. And these promises just keep rolling out and you keep fulfilling them. Because you are determined and you will be successful in sharing and completing your story. So Lord, I, I pray that we would be people of the word, not as a means to the end. Not so we know more Bible. This is not about knowing. This is about being. So help us to be a people of the word that are, that are better at building our boats of our daily lives, of our routines, of our habits, of our family, of our church family. And help us to be a people that are setting our sails, using the instruction you've given us in the word. That the spirit of God would take the word of God and apply it to the people of God to conform us into the image of the Son of God. That's the goal. You've, you have given us everything we need. You're not hiding. We're the ones that get in the way. Lord, I, I pray that you would just help us to pursue you for you. In Jesus' name, amen.